Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first edition of Collider Dailies. I'm Perry Nemiroff. This is Steve Weintraub, and we are very, very happy to be here, to be live again on this YouTube channel with a daily live movie and TV news show. Steve, how pumped are you today? Uh, not as pumped as you. I'm joking around. You've done that. You've done that a lot. Uh, I have not done, even in our history, uh, what I'm committing to with this show. I have been itching to get back to this format for so, so long now. I am so excited that now is the time we're finally doing it. So I have a feeling a lot of people out there have a lot of questions, which is why we made our first official topic. What is Collider Dailies? So I'm gonna roll through the basics right now for you, which are Every single morning, Monday through Friday, we're gonna go live right here on the Collider Extras YouTube channel at 10 a.m. Pacific. You're gonna get 15 minutes of movie and TV news and analysis from the Collider team. That team is obviously gonna to, to include me, it's gonna include Steve, and then you're also gonna to get to meet, or re-meet actually, John Algets, who you might have caught in some videos from Fantastic Fest, and then we're also gonna include lead news editor Maggie Lovett, and then behind the scenes you have Adam Martinetti running the whole show. So right now, that is is who you're going to see and then the group will expand it will grow you will have many different personalities all with different areas of expertise different perspectives so the hope with collider dailies is that you're going to get some some new people you're going to get a fresh format but it's going to be a show that 
basically channels exactly what you know and love from the website and from previous shows that aired on this channel. And it's the fact that this is going to be a show made by movie and TV lovers for movie and TV lovers. So that is the top priority, first and foremost. And we are going to make sure it is a highly enjoyable watch for you every single morning. Steve, what am I missing? Why should people watch Collider Dailies? Uh, well, something that I think we're going to do that uh, I listen, what I hope to do, because this is the first installment and things are going to change. But uh, Perry, myself and a lot of the people that work at Collider, we know a lot of the people in the industry. Um, I'm friendly with directors and actors and producers and a whole bunch of, again, people in the industry. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to have these guests come on our show um, and catch people up with what's going on and, you know, uh, what they're shooting, what they're working on. Um, and not just when they are promoting the newest released, um, you know, or the newest show, but that's also what we're going to have. Um, my ideal scenario is on Fridays. We have, an, you know, whatever film or TV show is the big thing of that week. We have a guest on uh, to talk about that newest show and movie and also um, to mix in people that you might not have heard of in the industry and sort of take you behind the scenes on what they do and what their job is about and sort of pulling back the curtain on uh, positions that you see in the credits, but might not know. Um, and the tricky part, of course, is we're trying to do this show in 15 minutes, and I really hope we keep that 15 minute thing, but when we have a really cool guest on, I have a feeling it could run a little longer. The goal is bite-sized. We, we wanna make this like quick and informative and efficient, but we also know what happens when we have a great guest or a really hot talking topic. Also, if I had a real dumb grin on my face while you were talking, Steve, it's because I might have navigated over to the YouTube channel to see what the video looks like. And I just must take a moment to round of applause to Adam Martinetti behind the scenes. The graphics look great. Everything fits perfectly. We are off to a good start right here. You want to roll I into our, our first official news topic? Let's do it. All right. So... This is actually uh, this is actually a positive note to start on news wise. The first thing we want to touch on today is the WGA and SAG strike update. So the first thing we're going to catch you up on is the fact that they came to an agreement. The WGA strike is it's not only over, but wow, did they make great strides with what they wanted, what they wound up getting, and how it's going to have a ripple effect, not just throughout this particular industry, but also how it's going to affect other similar similar negotiations in other industries out there. And it just made, it makes me really happy, Steve. So many things that they won in these negotiations. I have a, I have a list here. I'm so excited to read this list off. Increases to minimum wage and compensation, increased pension and health fund rates, improvements to terms for length of employment and size of writing teams. So that means pushing back on those mini rooms that folks were not happy with. Better residuals. Yay for that. And then also they dealt with the artificial intelligence issue. So what this agreement does is it doesn't prevent the writers themselves from using generative AI, but rather it prohibits the use of software that could potentially eliminate writers and eliminate their pay. So a writer can choose to use AI when performing writing themselves, but 
they can't be pushed out by the studio preferring to use that technology. And then on top of that, there are also other things mentioned that would prohibit the use of of a writer's work being used to train AI, which is another great concern in the industry. So basically they got a lot of really great things. And the other excellent thing about this situation is that SAG went back to the negotiating table on Monday. Those talks are gonna continue tomorrow. Now that the writers made this epic deal that they spent all of these months standing firm on those picket lines and fought for what they deserved and won those things, now it is far more likely that SAG will get a lot of those things as well. So high hopes that this is good signs for the future and that things will go well on Wednesday and we will have more good to report around the corner. Steve, how are you feeling about the situation in Hollywood right now? Uh, I'm so, so thankful. Uh, and I'm uh, the writers uh, showed what uh, uh, working together. It's so interesting, by the way, because it's, uh, it's this is one of those times where social media, I actually think so benefited uh, the writers and, and the actors because uh, everyone was so unified and you could see it and you couldn't escape their uh, working, how they work together. And in 2007, 2008, the last time there was a strike, you know, social media just didn't exist the way it is now. And, you know, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why this, strike was so successful but it's just so frustrating that the studio spent you know four or five months uh just you know thinking they were going to win and then they had to cave on basically everything um they could have made such a better deal if they had just negotiated that first week and i'll bet you they could have come out with uh, more you know skewed more towards the studios if they'd made a deal at the beginning but i'm glad it worked it went the way it did i'm super thankful that the actors are negotiating right now i would be shocked if this entire thing is not resolved by the end of the week or early next week and uh, we can all get back to reporting on the things that we love I don't know if I ever would have wished for a deal that skewed more towards what the studios wanted, but it is really upsetting to, you know, even though it's it's hopefully winding down now to have to look back and think about how stubborn the AMPTP was and how much they prioritize self over the people who create the art that lines their pockets and the industry overall. We ultimately came to this conclusion. The writers are getting what they want. God willing, SAG will have the same outcome. Why did we have to waste so much time and money? And there had to be so much unnecessary frustration, especially after through after this whole industry powered through a pandemic. All of a sudden, you have to put us in another creative lull again. Like what a, what a terrible thing to have done. But in the immediate, I'm just so incredibly grateful that they finally came to their senses, went back to the table and gave people gave people what they deserved. It's a it's a, a firm and needed reminder that the only reason we have cool movies and shows is because human beings pour their heart, their souls, their energy, time, passion, everything into making these things. Without those human beings, we don't get any of this. Well, th there's also a few things to remember. The first of which is that there was a lot of contracts the studios were trying to get out of. And the this is, you know, these are facts. And the uh, I think they had to wait 90 days to sort of cancel a contract. Again, I'm not I, I don't know the exact details, but um, so I think that's one of the reasons the studios waited so long. But also, unlike a lot of industries, 
uh, Hollywood relies on human beings to create art. These are artists. Writers are artists. Actors are artists. And, you know, these studio CEOs, they can't make the art. They sell the art. They market the art. But it's, you know, it's Tony Gilroy writing Andor. You know, that's the reason why that show is so special. It is, um, you know, Christopher Nolan uh, making a, a telling a story about Oppenheimer that is going to make close to a bill. It's made close to a billion dollars, a drama, you know, like shot on IMAX cameras. Like these are artists and they deserve to be paid and deserve to be, you know, sharing in the compensation, the you know, the, the winnings, if you will. Anyway, I'm just really happy that it's working out and that people are being paid for their work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, hopefully the next time we cover this particular topic, it'll be to tell you that everything is said and done and that the amazingly talented filmmakers in this industry are getting exactly what they want and what they deserve. All right. Last topic for today, Steve, is a weekend box office recap, which this will come as no surprise to anyone out there. But I am heavily advocating that at the beginning of every week for dailies, we do a weekend box office recap. And Maybe we do some prognostication towards the end of the week. We'll we'll table that for now. But everybody knows I like my box office stats. So what happened at the box office last weekend? Number one was Paw Patrol, the mighty movie, which made $22.8 million. Then at number two was Saw 10 with $18.3 million. The Creator at number three with $14.1 million. Then number four went to The Nun 2 with $4.8 million. And number five was a movie called The Blind with $4.4 million. I'll kick us off here by giving Paw Patrol the praise it deserves. It opens up top. Paw Patrol's big brand, a lot of people, a lot of families out there like that brand. It's got an A cinema score. And then on top of that, Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie did top Paw Patrol the Movie, which made $13.1 million opening weekend. But it is worth reminding everyone that that movie opened in 2021, which was during uh, during lockdown times or when we were just coming out of it, I believe. So that might be the difference right there. But still, solid start. And I have a feeling that Paw Patrol will have enough legs at least to get it to, I believe it's mid-October, when a movie called The Canter Ghost is coming out. I think that's the next family-friendly animated movie that's hitting theaters. So Paw Patrol does have a little breathing room in order to uh, make some more money there. Do you have any thoughts on Paw Patrol, Steve? <laughs> that is definitely my number one film of the year. Um, yes. no, uh, uh, look, I mean, the fact is that if you speak to any, I don't have kids, but everyone with kids, this is like a priority film. And, uh, you know, I have no, I have no comment on Paw Patrol except to say that Congrats. Listen, anything that brings people into the movie theater, I'm so happy about. And uh, but families like kids love Paw Patrol. It's like um, it, they just love it. And so hence the reason it's number one at the box office. I have no I have no insight other than Paw Patrol is popular with kids. 
I hope you have I hope you have some thoughts for Saw 10 because I'm very happy that Saw 10 is number 2. So, one thing to po- point out with this movie is that it didn't do as well as past Saw movies, but as I often say with box office predictions and the current landscape, things are very different because of everybody getting back to theaters, but also because of how streaming has changed the game since the release of the earlier Saw movies. But Saw 10 did make more than both Spiral and Jigsaw. Also, it's a pretty damn well-reviewed Saw movie, which makes me really, really happy. So Saw 10 has a production budget of $13 million. It has already made that production budget back. Now the big question is, is Saw 10 going to have legs to make a significant amount of money over the course of its run? This is the question I'm posing to you right now, Steve. The Exorcist Believer hits theaters this weekend. Is that going to stop Saw 10 dead in its tracks, or can both movie thri- both movies thrive at the same time? Uh, I just realized I can't talk about Exorcist yet. I was just going to talk about it. Uh, uh, fuck. Um, <laughs> I really want to talk specifically. I think Exorcist is going to take a huge bite out of Saw. I think that um, it's the same audience. Well, not the same audience, but a similar audience for both. And I think that uh, Exorcist is going to be huge this weekend, um, especially when the reviews hit and the social media embargo lifts. Um, I think it will give people a reason that they want to see it. Um, but ultimately, you know, there's a lot of competition in the marketplace. Um, when you look, you know, Saw and Creator, that's also similar moviegoers, not all the way, but I think Exorcist is going to win. I really do. So I have a feeling you're going to be right. I've got high hopes for Exorcist, but right now, I think there's projections that have it falling in the range of of 21 to 31 million opening weekend. But then there are many that are saying it's going to go 30 plus. And if the movie is good, if the promotional campaign works, I, I think that's a number it could probably hit, especially given the fact that. I was about to say it's the start of spooky season. Let's be real, be realistic about it. Spooky season starts for me. I mean, never. It's year round for me. But really, I start actively acting on spooky season in August. But it is the first big wide release of October as far as horror movies go. So I have good a good, good feeling it's going to do well. I, I was going to say, uh, I can't say anything except to say that I believe when the social embargo lifts on Exorcist and the reviews hit, people are going to want to go see it. Did you use that phrasing purposely? Probably. Okay, let's pretend you did. Um, Last one. I'm very curious to get your thoughts on this one, Steve. The Creator. So The Creator opened at number three with $14.1 million. This movie has a reported production budget of $80 million. What do you make of that? Is there hopes that this movie can be successful? And what kind of impact will it have on mid-range budgeted sci-fi studio movies like this? Um, there's, listen, uh, it's great that the budget on creator was 80 million. I really wish the movie had done more opening weekend just to show studios that original IP sci-fi can open. Um, but with a movie like the creator, um, and, and just movies in general, it's very important that we all talk about the North American box office, 
but it's really important when you look at everything through a global lens because you know 60 to 80 percent now of the box office comes globally and not just from north america so it's it's just really important to look at those numbers but when you look at the numbers on the creator i think globally it only did 30 something million which is not a huge number and you kind of wanted it to hit 50 or just a higher thing a higher number um the movie is visually stunning it's like it's fantastic to look at the vfx and the way they shot it and i really do hope that it can uh continue to thrive in the marketplace Mm -hmm. but you know exorcist is going to take a lot of the oxygen and then taylor swift is going to take all the oxygen (laughs) and so i'm i am concerned about the box office on it but it's really worth seeing in a movie theater it's really well done i can't wait until we could talk about the taylor swift movie together (laughs) I'm genuinely very excited to see that. But yeah, I am right in line with you on that. And I guess I'll use this as a shameless plug opportunity because the creator is absolutely like jaw-droppingly stunning. And it's shot by Oren Soffer, who I am very convinced is a cinematographer on the rise, a name you need to know. And we happen to have a 40-minute interview with him from Fantastic Fest on the Collider Interviews YouTube channel. So given the fact that this first episode of Collider Dailies is about to come to a close, you just say goodbye to us here, and then you head over there and you watch that interview with Oren, who is wonderful. We have done it, Steve. Episode one. Uh, I actually, I was actually going to say for the people that are still watching at the end, I did forget something. Uh, we do a very good uh, screening series, the Collider screening series in L.A. and New York. And so for the people that are still watching, I forgot to mention, uh, our plan is when we start announcing future events to try to offer people that are watching the show uh, a way to get tickets outside of the normal RSVP on the website. Uh, maybe it's a code word we say at the end of an episode and we say, you know, whatever it may be, we're working it out. But I want to make sure people that are watching uh, have an added way to get into our special events. And also want to mention Loki season two is real good. I think those are uh, those are good notes to end this show on. And I'll just throw in a big thank you to everybody behind the scenes at Collider and also the faces you're about to see on this show in the near future. Everyone really put in a significant amount of work over the past couple of weeks to get this show up and running, to get it looking beautiful. And really, it's only going to get better and better from here. So thank you for watching the very first edition of Collider Dailies. And we will see you tomorrow with a brand new episode. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.